You're listening to Radio Influence. And how is everyone? How are you doing today? Plodding through life? We're plodding through life. What more can we do, right? Uh, even, even the greats, even the greats in the entertainment field or whatever, they got problems. Although it's nice when you got money, you don't have to worry, right? But uh, all is good. All is good. All right. I am going to spend some time after my guest telling you what it was like, what I saw covering Tom Brady. And I mean, I was there almost every practice. I was there all training camp every day. Was at every home game, uh, pre, post, uh, down in the hallway. Uh, I got some stories, what it was like. And I'll tell you right now, if you hate Brady, then after my guest, you might as well go click somewhere else. I know I shouldn't say that, but I'm, I know Brady is hated by a lot. Mostly like, but a lot that can't stand him because he's, he's so good. And, uh, I, okay. So I'm just, I'm giving you a fair warning. All right. But I want to get into some stories because he's done now and you know, I'll do that. All right. Let me bring in my guest. He is at the top of his game as a newsman. Now this is the first newsman that I've had on the rock stops here. I've had sports journalists. I've had entertainers. I've had wrestlers, boxers, baseball players, former baseball players. Uh, but I have never had a newsman. And he is one of the best in the country, and he still is at the top of his game. He is with the Fox affiliate in Philadelphia, where he grew up. He went to Temple University. He is living in the house with his family, his twins, his wife, his family, in the house that he grew up in. How about that? So he spent many years, over a decade here in Tampa Bay at Bay News 9. I'm talking about Chris O'Connell. He made national news, his hurricane coverage. He was on The Tonight Show. He's many times CNN, World News Tonight. He was in Minneapolis covering a big story. And when he was there in, in, uh, in that market, I remember it was on, I think it was World News Tonight. I can't remember the story. Um, and he can no silver spoon. Nobody gave him anything. Hard work, man. Hard work and determination. And he's in a business that is kind of at a crossroads. You're always going to need news and information. I'll, ex- I'll get into that a little bit more after this interview. But what is it like for God? How many years has he been doing this? He gets into it here uh, from a small market and worked his way up and just consistent and TV news local tv news and in philadelphia here he is hollywood that used to be his nickname because there was a time where he wore some sunglasses inside something like that he he was a character but no all seriousness and you got to be serious for a newsman he anchors but he's a news reporter and he's out in the field every day here he is my man chris o'connell All right. As I always intro, I say I interview celebrities, entertainers, media, coaches, players that have made it to the top. And then a lot of times it's like what it's like after you're not at the top, but you're still at the top. You are one of the best newsmen in the country, television news, and you're still doing it. Chris O'Connell, how you doing? Rock, thanks for having me. First of all, I can always count on you for a great 
promo <laughs> intro. You're my hype man. But thank you. Thanks for having me. And so good to see you after all these years. You know that. You know that. Now, how many years? I know when you started, was it Richmond? Was that, or was there something before that? And how many years have you been in TV news now, Chris? Uh, I, I started as a reporter in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in 1993. Wow. Do the math. I don't know. Wow. Pushing 30 years now. Yeah. Um, spent some time in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, kind of first job out of college. Uh, then I moved on to Richmond, Virginia, came down to Tampa, was down here at Bay News 9 for 10 years, did news and sports down here, fell in love with the area. I, I told you earlier, I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back. So, uh, after 10 years at Bay News 9, I went to Minneapolis, spent uh, spent about three and a half years at the ABC affiliate in Minneapolis. And then about 10 years ago, I moved back to, to Philadelphia, my hometown, uh, and kind of living my dream job now. This was what I wanted to do coming out of college, went to Temple University. I wanted to work in Philadelphia as a news guy, and I'm doing it, and I've been doing it for the last uh, 10 years now in Philly and loving it. That's awesome. And you've got your family, you're raising your family, you've got twins, girls, and your wife, and you're actually raising your family in the house that you grew up in. Wow. (laughs) After moving around the country for, you know, 20 plus years, coming back, uh, my parents were selling their house and then they gave me a good deal. And I'm, I'm, I'm raising my kids in the house that uh, I grew up in. And that's kind of common up in, in the Philly area, is like it? in is Delaware really? County, Delco, we like to call it. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of common. Uh, people buying their parents' houses when, and my parents, they moved, they moved to a, a condo. They're living their retired life. So now I've interviewed a lot of different people, especially in the media business. And it, and it seems like when we first got in the business, a lot of us would think we want to make it to New York or we want to make it to the top market, market size. Then life goes on and then you have other things in your life and then you start weighing out like what's what's best for life and work. Was that kind of the situation for you? Did you just want to be at a at a good place? Did you want to stay in town? Yeah, typically in, in TV, it's like the bigger the market, that's where you want to go. You go bigger market and then you go to network. And uh, I always wanted to go back to Philadelphia. That was my home. Um, but I always wanted to be happy, too. I was real happy down here in Tampa for a while. I really was. And again, I'll plan to move back here someday. Um, but I just wanted to be happy. I wanted to... Uh, do my craft, and that's telling stories. I uh, never wanted to be like a main anchor at TV. It just wasn't kind of what I was. Uh, I love it out on the street. I love telling stories. I love talking to people, love seeing things. My day goes by fast. Every day of the 30 years I've been doing this business has been a different kind of day. And that's the best part about the business. Yeah, I'm with you. And even as, as what I do now, I love being out in the field still. Yeah, it's great to do some studio work, but there's nothing like that. You've had some great 
stories, great experiences. Uh, just a couple, man, because we people they love they love stories. I remember that you made national news when you covered a hurricane, and it was a hundred mile an hour winds, and you were out there. Can you tell us about <laughs> no. that? They ended up doing like a documentary <laughs> on you, and you were on national TV. What was? Tell us about that. I don't even remember what year it was. Hurricane Jean. I think it Boy, might have been. Good, it might have been 04. Okay. Uh, again, when I was working news down here, we would cover every hurricane, every part of the state. So I, we were in um, uh, east coast of Florida, and it was just one of these things. We were 24-hour news, and that was our bread and butter was, was weather, especially when it was severe. And one night, 115-mile-an-hour winds, we were in the bottom of a garage trying to protect ourselves. But the suction of that wind when the hurricane came ashore, we were just live, and it literally flew me off my feet. Uh, I, I landed, you know, landed on my back, hurt my neck and we shut the broadcast down because, but it was, it was one of those, it was a viral moment before viral moments. Yes, it was. This was before, you know, social media and things like that. Yes. It was one of the most wild experiences within 24 hours. I was on CNN, Jay Leno show, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, I think Letterman called. They they all wanted to talk to us about why, you know, what happened. But, wow. you know, it wasn't the smartest thing to do. 150 mile an hour winds. What does that feel like? What does that can you can you describe what that's like? Well, you know, a lot of people do ask that, like what um, not what's it feel like, but why you guys out there? I mean, there is a value to showing people what is happening out in the snowstorm or in the hurricane or in the rain or in the sunshine. Uh, it's, it's news. Weather is news. And you, you do want to show the impacts. Um, you don't want to be stupid. You, we, we do protect yourselves and things like that. But um, there is an intrinsic value of having a reporter showing you outside in the elements what the story is. And it's news. And in this day and age with climate change and things like that, Weather is news. Weather is a new a news story every single day. Right. How about when you're a news reporter? What about if you're covering a crime or you know bad people and danger? I'm sure you've been in some dangerous situations as a newsman. Can you think of any off the top of your head at um, all, Chris? Anything? You know, <laughs> there's been honestly many. That's what I was going to uh, say. There's, there's been many times, but uh, again. Uh, I, I can tell you, I work in a right now in Philadelphia, which is the highest murder rate. Uh, last year, we had 500, close to 600 homicides in the city of Philadelphia last year. And right now, that was a record, and we're already pushing a record going into this year already. It's a very violent city. Um, so, and uh, not only with homicides, but carjackings and things like that. Um, and just being in news, yeah, uh, you um, a lot of people don't want you to be there. Right, they don't want you shining the light on what you're they're doing. That's a good point. And um, whether it's investigative, um, but there there was one time in South Philadelphia, I was covering a hoarder um, that had been suspected of. Um, 
uh, been suspected of, of some neighborhood ordinances that violations and uh, there was a raid and inside the house and this is where how we got called were a bunch of dead animals hundreds of dead animals and that's what was was wow. and the guy had been mentally ill and yeah, he'd yeah. been hoarding dead animals from alligators oh to squirrels God. to dogs to cats and things like that it was horrible and we were doing a live shot outside that gentleman's house uh-huh. um, and showing the kind of horror that that the neighborhood had been living through and all of a sudden this gentleman's son came out of nowhere and attacked me tackled me on television live as i'm doing the report you could see it online okay uh, animal hoarder <laughs> attacks, <laughs> attacks reporter YouTube? um and it was uh it was pretty insane this guy just uh completely came out of the blue as i'm doing my report i didn't see him i didn't he just came out and, and attacked me tackled me to the ground luckily there were police there they arrested him um <sighs> But there's been a new a number of times that you know people just don't want you there, and yeah, they yeah, get yeah, upset. Yeah, yeah. And right. you try to explain that you have a right to be there, and you have uh, you'll you're going to tell that story as respectfully as possible. But you know sometimes they don't want the media, and I get that. Yeah, uh, but you yeah. just try to you try to stay safe. One of my photographers won't get into details, but yeah, yeah. we were shooting we were shooting a. Uh, a outside a nightclub uh-huh. and a, a security guard came. We were on public property. Security guard came and attacked him. And he was, he was a news photographer, uh-huh. uh, attacked him. He tackled to the ground and he was injured and he didn't, he couldn't uh, do his job for two years, two and a half years. Uh, he was injured on disability because this guy attacked him because we had every right to be there. But um, so you do see those, you know, these things, but this kind of comes with the territory. It's yeah, kind yeah, of part yeah, of the yeah. job. You've you know? been doing That's, it so long. Yeah. You've had that. What about as far as when you're live, when you're live, I always like live, no matter, yeah, it's better than energy. Tape, but you never know, like you say, especially at night, once the light goes on, sometimes people try to get in. Have you had any experiences with live shots and having to deal with people or crowds or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, come on. We- <laughs> <laughs> I figured, I mean, give me the, I, I, I remember the Bucks one year. I remember the Buccaneers one year. Uh, who was the Who was the kicker? Matt Matt Bryant. Matt Bryant kicked a. Uh, and it was I against it was the a record, Eagles. It was against the Eagles. It was, so it was a record breaking field goal. Yes, at it the was time. something like sixty three or something like that. I got. We was the time when we were allowed on the field. Yes, and yes. we had a relationship with Matt at the time. He was on our show a lot, and you know at Bay News Nine, so he knew me. I knew him, and of course, there's that. PR barrier. And there was one time where right after that field goal kick, I was on the field. Matt Bryant came. I came rushing to him. We were eye to eye. I put my arm around him to to do a very quick interview in the heat of the moment. And some PR people rushed me. Yes. Tackled me to the ground. I'm not going to go into name. It was, it was, it went. He is no longer, he's actually with another organization. (laughs) But he's, first of all, he's a great guy. He's an awesome guy. It was just heat of the moment kind of thing, crowd. Um, And yeah, we got, I got tackled. Um, But again, part of the job, it's like, you know, heat of the moment kind of stuff. But yeah, people uh, in the backgrounds of live shots happens all the time. Um, Number one, they have a right to be there. If you're on a public street, just like I am, 
they could wave and do whatever they want. Another good I don't point. Like, I don't like to see it. I don't. It uh-huh. bothers me. It, I don't, especially, I don't like people getting close to me. Um, there have been many incidents around the country that uh, uh, journalists are attacked while on air. So you really kind of yeah. have a second. Um, and we have sometimes we have security with us. Sometimes, and and in in those moments, um, you know, you just have to be, be aware. Again, it's kind of part of the job. You know, now I remember there were times even when you did sports or when you were doing a a story like that would be national. You would go national. And then you said, this is more in the beginning. And you'd come back and look at your phone. Maybe I'm going to get a call from that producer. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Are they going to take me to the big le- the, the big dance or something? Right? Right, right, right. Yeah, then, then. Does it really work like that? It doesn't really work, doesn't really like work like that. Like you don't that. get the no. call right away. We like no, your live show. We no. want to hire you. I thought that might happen some days, but no. No, that, that's not the way it works. <laughs> you know, this business is about, um, it's about talent. It's about uh, knowing your job. There is a big slice of luck in this business, depending on what companies are looking for, what trying to uh, slots they're trying to fill with what kind of experience levels. Um, So, you know, it is kind of like, you know, it's not a a science of of who goes where in this business. And and again, uh, career tracks take you in different directions that, you know, some people – you know, go into this business and they go off to a producing position or they go off to a photographer position or stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's not an exact science. How has the business changed? And when you really come down to it, do you, is it still who, what, when, where, and being a journalist and telling the story, how, how has it changed and has it changed really? Yeah. I mean, you could just look at television news and on a local network, Radio, tel- uh, newspaper, just look at the media landscape. It has changed all around. And it's not about, it's about adapting to it in this digital landscape now. Uh, TV stations are uh, trying new things in terms of trying to get their stories out there in different platforms, whether it's streaming, whether it's social media. Uh, we know that. People have different schedules now. We know that people aren't tuning in as much as they did to a six or ten o'clock news. So we're trying to go to where they are. Um, you know, in, in Philly, we tr- we just revamped our ten o'clock newscast into ten minute chunks, and you can get a newscast in every ten minutes during that hour. Um, we're trying see. to get people where you know tune off to Netflix for for a half hour and tune into to, to us. So we're just trying different strategies. Um, we have uh, we're doing a lot of local programming now. Um, you know, we're learning now where you could do like TV stations are doing a lot of local programming. They're producing their own local shows, whether it's the uh, entertainment shows, whether it's be whether and we're doing we're, every every night of the week at 630 uh, at Fox in Philadelphia. It's all local programming. Every night is going to be a different show. Um, it's, oh, that's and interesting. It's, it's first of all, it's not cheap to produce, yeah. but it's it's what people what people are doing. It's um, you know, local news stations are going to be become local content creators. I see in, in just different formats. Interesting. Uh, just a couple more. Um, you said that you it, when I talk to entertainers or journalists or radio, TV people, they all say that it, 
they look fondly on when they first started in a smaller market, even though they weren't making much, the equipment wasn't as good, but looking back on it, what about, what about for you? I mean, you're in Philly, you're at Fox 29, you're doing great. Yeah. You're great here at Bay News 9. But when you first started out, didn't you also, you shot, you reported, you drove the live truck mm-hmm. and you did your own mm-hmm. live shots in the field. I, I, don't, I slept with a police scanner under my pillow. Because I was afraid that I'd miss a fire overnight. Oh, you know, there it was, you that see, was the kind of this is the know. hustle, though. That's yeah, why yeah, yeah. you to where you um, are today. Some kids don't was, understand yeah, my, my that. My first job, and a lot of it, we're going back to this now in, in TV news, researching, writing, shooting, editing, and and delivering your own stories. Multimedia journalists. Every station has them now. No matter what um, size market, mm-hmm. right? Even I was I was in the day where they kind of it was a new kind of concept. I was right. probably one of the first in the country who was doing it all themselves. Uh, and then we kind of got away from it in the heyday of, of news. Right. And, and then with, uh, I would say kind of after nine 11, when there was a seismic shift in television news in terms of sales advertising, um, you know, it has since come back, but they went to multimedia journalists. You're doing a lot more, uh, kind of with a lot less, but you're kind of a little bit more connected to the community too. Like as a, as a multimedia journalist, you're, you're kind of, it's, it's up to you to research the stories. It's, they're not just handed to you. Right. Um, but l- learning the business in a small market, it's, it's the reason why I, I haven't left the business. Um, because I knew what, I know what storytelling means. I know what, uh, what it takes to produce a good story. I've uh-huh. learned the the business side of the business. Uh-huh. Um, I've learned what to do, what not to do. And then, then again, just like, Hey, you move on to your next thing, you move on to your next opportunity, take okay. the skills you've had and then move on, parlay that to, to what's next. Here's what I ask at the end to all of my guests. What I'm sure you get this question a lot from young people that want to be in the business. What advice do you have? And when I do ask this question, majority do always say, oh, I want to be a star. They want to be in lights. They don't, you know what I mean? How do I get, I did it. I did a, a podcast with the in-game uh, Tampa Bay Lightning host, the arena host, Greg Wolf. And he was like, kids like, I want to, I want to be at the lightning game and I want to be the host. Well, did you, did you try at your high school yet? You know, you know what I mean? So what, what advice would you give? Here we are 2021, Chris O'Connell. Well, first of all, I think be true to yourself. Like if you know what you want to do and that's what you want to do, do it and go for it, have a goal, but also be open for that path to change. If you want to be that, arena announcer, and that's your goal, go for it. Start to network, start to learn from the people who are doing it, start to talk to those people, spend some time with them, um, and then be open to other things. Maybe being a radio announcer for that, you know, just be open to other kind of things because um, I think, you know, early on in my career, I wanted to be an anchor, wanted to be the, the network news anchor, but I realized I love telling stories. I love being on the street. I love, and you don't get that in a kind of a studio environment. So my career path has changed um, in term, early on. I, I kind of figured out what I wanted to do, but it's kind of be true to yourself and, and, and really it's hard work. Um, and like I said, the business has changed. The good part about it is there's so many more opportunities in the media now. It's not just 
Okay, you have your TV, the traditional TV, the radio, those, but there's podcasts. Right. You can do your own thing. You right. can be your own media outlet. Right. You can do other things. There's so many more opportunities out there for people, and there is always a need for good storytellers. I love it. One of the best newsmen in the country at Fox 29 in Philadelphia. He started in 1991 or 93. No, 1993 and in 2021 he hasn't aged and he's still going strong chris o'connell thank you so much my buddy. man rock riley thanks for having me all right chris so he's back in philly in philly and i follow him on social media and he's out there and he's covering crime and he's in rough areas and he's He's beating that path down, man, and day by day, still, 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 top of his game. So that's a little interesting. Now, let's be honest. Let's be totally honest here. He is in a business. He wasn't going to say it here on the podcast because he's still doing it and he's being paid and all that jazz and he's providing for his family, but he's in a business where it's a dying business and it's hard. You've got so much to compete with now on our phones and video from Joe Blow and the local news that six and 11 o'clock or the five o'clock and the six and the 11 o'clock, like how many, it's a lot less people that tune in and it's hardly any young people and I don't watch it now anymore. Rarely, rarely. And if I want to see what's going on in sports, like they give the sports person like a minute 30, 40, minute 50, not even two minutes. It's done. Boom, blink, gone, boom. You know, so what do they do? Will the local news on TV go the way of the newspaper? See, I, I've... I've been interviewing radio guys that have made it, that are on national shows. They they do a lot more than just one market. And, you know, it's hard in a music format because I don't want to be bogged down by commercials and, and that's the way they pay their bills. And if I go to a music station and, and they come on with like, damn, it's like almost nine, ten minutes of commercials. I don't want to sit through that. I can go to my Spotify. I can go to my Pandora. And I can put on exactly what I want to hear. So that's hard. That's hard. Um, news stations. You don't have any all news radio stations anymore. The sports format, though, man. Guys still like to be in the car and listen to that. Uh, you know, I don't think that's going to go away. Um, your preset, you know, if you, if you're a baseball fan, you, whatever your, your team is, you got that preset on in your car and that's 162 games, uh, football, NFL, you know, we know it's only 17 regular season games. Hockey is half an NBA, you know, what the NFL or what the major league baseball does, but you know, and when a big story, a big, 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 big story breaks, like for example, here, and I'll get into some stories when Tom Brady retired, the local station 620 went on 
and blew out the uh, a national show and went right into uh, local local coverage. Started taking calls and oh my god, you know I don't think that is going to go away. Uh, look at Pat McAfee. He is like the king of sports talk because he's entertaining and he doesn't give a fuck. Sorry for my language, but they cursed. They let it fly. He didn't want to be on ESPN radio because he just, and very, very popular, you know, but that's, that's a talk sports show, right? You know, uh, if you've never heard Pat McAfee show, it might not be your thing. It's not everybody's thing, but they're damn good. They're enter- He's entertaining and his, he, the guys that he's got with him, man, it's like you're in a, a clubhouse. It's like you're in the sports bar, man. It's like you're at your buddy's house, po- drinking beers and busting balls, you know, and guys like that busting balls. Women don't bust chops. Did I ever tell you the story? When I was at Bay News nine, I did a, uh, a live half hour TV show every single night. Well, though I did five days a week when I first started, I was doing seven days a week, but anyway, and, but it was a seven night a week show and we took calls live without a delay system. I wouldn't tell anybody that for years. And I, you, if it was like right after a Bucks game, one guy did, did uh, curse pretty bad. But if it's like, I don't know, like uh, maybe a college basketball show a little bit, something that's, you know, you don't have a ton of fans and you would, I would get crank calls. And what I learned is, and you're live on TV, don't, oh, we don't want to have that. Oh, try to keep it clean. Hey, none of that. We don't want to hear that. Oh, that just fuels the fire. They'll be like, oh, what? Oh, my God, I'm going to crank it. You just, you gloss right over it. And I did a live call-in show. I'd sprinkle in guests uh, for a little bit of the show. Highlights for the first five, seven minutes, 10 minutes. If it was a big day, you could do that much, man. It was, it was great. And then we'd go to calls. And in all the years, in 14 years, now I was there 18 years, but we did that show for 14 years. Every night, 11 o'clock, there was a stretch as we started at 1030, then it went to 11, 11 o'clock. The crank calls that we got, there was never a woman. Or a girl. Girls don't crank call. Girls don't bust each other's chops so bad. Like, hey, man, you, you, you're getting kind of fat. Whoa, what are you eating? What are you hung up? Like, girls don't, women don't do that. And of all the, in 14 years, I never got a, crank, a prank call from a woman. Isn't that something? Guys like to just bust balls. There's a sophomoric humor. You know, it's just how it is. And what we did is we had call, uh, you know, you would hit that star and what was it at the time where you would get the number. And then we had a couple of guys in the back that just brutalized. They'd call back immediately. A lot of times it would be high school or college kids. You hear laughing in the background, Um, you know, but I had some. Oh, my God. One guy after a Buccaneer loss. I was doing a live show right after it and a guy called up. This is on TV because in in radio, you have a delay system. You can hit the dump button 
And it's about seven seconds or so that it takes, seven, eight seconds to build back up. So that won't get on the air. But we did it without a delay system for all those years. And I would get some crank calls. And one guy called up and he goes, hey, Rock, I am so pissed off. I just want to beat my fucking wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pardon my language here, man. But, you know, just this is a podcast. And uh, this would come out over TV. And I would pretend like I didn't hear it. And then I just kept going and go to the next call. Um, I had a call one time where a guy said that he went to Hooters and he saw <laughs> the backup quarterback and one of the girls was underneath the table giving him uh, oral sex. He used a different term. This was this was live on TV. There, and and um, I, there, there's plenty more. One guy, <laughs> I had a, a Devil Rays baseball player. We used to do it over where we actually used to do the show live at the Trop outside. And then I had a terrible incident with Yankee fans and they pulled the plug, pulled up the cable. I'm not going to, I told that one time. I'm not going to get into that. Keep this fun. I had a, a Devil Rays player on. I think he was a third baseman or second baseman. And I interviewed him. You want to take some calls? You want to take some calls? Let's take some calls. One call, two calls, and the guy calls up. He goes, hey, did you ever see Larry Rothschild in the shower? <laughs> and I'm with him. I'm with a major league player. And I just, uh, you know, yeah, Larry Rothschild, man, what is he like as a manager? Is he good? And then he does it, does it. We go to commercial, and he goes, did a guy ask me if I ever saw Larry Rothschild like naked in the shower, dude? I said, yeah, I, 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 you know what? I couldn't really make it out. The guy's an idiot. Who cares? I, I don't think he, I think he said something about Larry Rothschild. And then we went on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess I was known when, you know, people would love to see that. Guys would love to see that. A prank call. I'm not kidding. I knew that. Um, but it wasn't fun when when you're on the air. You just got to You cannot give them fuel for fire. And I'll never forget this. This is years ago. I'm in St. Pete. I'm in a, a bar that there was a band that was playing. the 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 establishment was called the the Ringside Cafe. There you go. So it's a Friday or Saturday night. I might have been in there with my buddy Whitney Johnson. I can't remember what it was. It was if it was somebody, it was probably Whitney J. And we're going in there for some drinks. A band is playing. And a guy that was playing guitar, or no, he might have been the bass player. He had a long red beard. It was almost like ZZ Top. He wasn't as skinny as ZZ Top. He wasn't fat, but I mean, I, I never forget. And I, we had probably already had a couple of beers. So I had to find the restroom once we got in there. And I walked by and it was a small area the stage is not that big it's a it's a nice little you know cozy setting and this dude stops playing sees me recognizes me and leans over and I had to go by like the stage right there it's a small little venue and he goes dude I love it when you get pranked and how you respond fucking cracks me up and then then he this is during a song and i just went to the bathroom and i started laughing you know and it was just a different time you know and at that time so many people in the area had cable 
like now, so many have pulled the plug. Like I got Hulu. I was going to go YouTube TV, whatever. I do use uh, Bright House, which is this place that I was working at for 18 years, uh, Spectrum, and I do use them for my internet. So, but I don't have, I don't, I don't have the cable anymore. But at the time, a lot of people had cable. And if you were in this area, you got it. It was set. Your TV, it would come on to Bay News 9, Channel 9. And so a lot of people used to watch. And uh, there was one funny story. I'm trying to think now. But you know what? There was another one I just thought of and I, I forgot. But guys would get a kick out of prank calls live on the air. How do, oh, my God. There was one. I remember sitting at home on a Friday night having a cold one or two and flipping around and his name is Pete Williams. He was the weekend guy for a little stretch. We had Jeff Carlson, uh, not too many more, but I wasn't working and he had on the women's basketball coach. This is before they have a male coach. Now he's been very successful for a long time, but this is the coach before him. And it was, she was, uh, was a woman and Pete had her on and then they try to go to a call and a guy said, Hey, you know, can I smell your panties? You, I can see, you know, close your legs or something like that. And Oh my God, I was like, Oh my God. And I'm sitting there as a fan with a beer and I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's brutal. That's embarrassing. And there's Pete and he's trying to do oh, and they're like, they dropped that call. And then he's doing more of an interview and he tried one more and see like there isn't a big onslaught of fans for women's basketball. Now they have their fans. They have their diehard fans. I'm not putting it down at all, but I'm just saying it's not a big, big audience. So here comes a call and it was the same crank call again. And he said something else about her private parts. And that was the end of the calls for that show. So anyway, I go from prank calls and women never bother to do that. They don't waste their time with that. Guys love busting balls and prank calls. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Let me, uh, let me give you just a little bit of insight. I think covering Tom Brady and seeing him on a daily basis, I got to tell you, I know, I know if you're jealous or you just hate him, or he cheated and he's, I see a lot of this stuff on social media, you know, with the deflate gate and, you know, taking the air out of the footballs and did he, I don't know, did he ever cheat on anything else? No, I can tell you this. I was around that Buccaneers facility from July training camp all the way through until he walked out in, out of that stadium after this playoff loss to the Rams, I was there every step of the way, watching and observing every practice that I saw, any time that he spoke. Um, there wasn't one person in that building that had anything bad to say about him for being as big of a superstar as he is. I'm not kidding you. They all said the same thing. He was just one of the guys, even though he was, wasn't one of the guys. Does that make sense? Never thought that he was bigger and better than anyone. And he was. He changed the whole 
vibe of that facility. He made everybody better and wanting to not do bad for him. It was incredible. I've never seen anything like it. I compared him. I did a little video uh, after we were done, after he announced his retirement. Michael Jordan had that aura about him, um, but he was a son of a bitch at times to some teammates. Brady would get on them, but also never like really, really mean or derogatory or anything like that. When new guys would come in, like a Burchard Perryman, uh, who else came in as the season is just going on, Brady would always go over to them. He would introduce himself, and then he would stay late and work one-on-one if it was a guy on the offense. As long as he's been playing. he That's how much effort he put into a season. So when it, when the retirement was announced, I have to laugh on my Facebook page or a one guy is a former sportscaster. His body was so beaten. He couldn't do it anymore. You're, you're on the couch. Like I'm there watching. How are you so adamant? Of course you're 44 years old. You're not going to bounce back as quickly, but I saw no father time catching up to him with his arm, with his movements, anything. That's why I said I would have I would have called it quits last year after you win the Super Bowl. Seven rings, man, to make it back again. It's so almost stinking possible, but he had that competitive juice still flowing. And he put 120% into it every single day. I would be blown away by... He would finish the game, say, on a Sunday. He comes into the media room. They're asking him, and we're asking him, you know, about the game, about plays, this and that, this and that. And then somebody would ask him about next Sunday's opponent or Monday's opponent. And he'd he'd rattle off, like, oh, their defensive secondary is good. They got this so-and-so coming on, boy. They disguise all their packages. It's really hard. They have a good front uh, team, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, my God, he hasn't even done And he's put all of his effort, like... He was incredible, man, you know, and he got his balls busted by being older. They called him old head. Hey, old head, old head, Uh, especially Devin White, a younger linebacker, all of them. And he took it like he would play it off. And now I would see those videos in the locker room from specific players that were on their Instagram or whatever, because we weren't allowed back in the locker room. I don't think we're ever going to go back in a locker room again. You know what? I'm okay with that. I would like to be able to get to talk to a player one-on-one or be able to get, you know, that's how you can really get, information, see how they're doing, where their head's at, what's going on. It's hard on a Zoom. They got a moderator. You maybe get called on. If you do, you only got one question. You can't, you know, and you're only going to get who they give you. I know the NFL loves it. I don't think we'll ever be back. But being in a locker room was always the weirdest, uncomfortable, most uncomfortable for me. I don't want to see a guy that's getting dressed or is walking to and from the shower with a towel on or standing at his locker 
and having to get the sound bite, but waiting for him to get changed with his, but that's weird. What other profession do you go into an office or wherever or at the yard, if it's a line painting company and a guy is totally naked and he's putting on his clothes, you know, it's freaking weird. So I'm okay with that. But it's a shame that it's just that, you know, like I said, man, the, the way, it, you know, the Zoom, and you can only get who the PR people are going to bring you. So if guys are screwing up, they're not going to give you him or him to us. Regardless, Brady, he, uh, he would compete. He would compete in practice. What you do in practice translates into what you do in the game. And I'm telling you, he's up, he, like Kyle Trask is the backup. Uh, second year now, a rookie out of the Florida Gators. Brady's arm is still better than uh, Kyle Trask. Brady's arm is, and Gabbard's got a decent arm. I know you all blame Gabbard. Oh, he sucks. No, Gabbard's got a pretty strong arm. Not, not like Brady though. Brady is just, he can, it's unbelievable. And it is genetics, but it also is what he does, his treatments, how he works that shoulder, what he does, the TB12 method. It was unbelievable. It was just unbelievable to see and to see somebody with that presence, seven Super Bowl champions, seven rings, five Super Bowl MVPs, 44 years old, so much money. His wife has so much money, so much fame, and to still be the hardest worker studying film putting 120% into each and every day. And when you would ask a question, didn't matter if it was stupid or whatever, he would look every reporter in the eye, give them a good answer, good enough answer at the time. He wasn't going to give you any bulletin board material. It really was something to see. That's what I'm trying to say. Look, when he was with the New England Patriots, it wasn't that I didn't like him. I could, I could appreciate greatness, but I couldn't stand the Patriots winning all the time. I was like, I couldn't stand it. And when he came here and just watching how he, how he goes about his business, how good he was to new players, younger players that come in, always introducing himself, coming up. He would always tell them, what do you need? And if you need anything, just come to me. You want to work a little bit afterwards? Let's do that. In the beginning of the season, when the running game wasn't going, he and this playoff Lenny Fournette got together. Ryan Jensen said, you know what? Why don't we just meet as a group after practice on Friday? And you tell me what you think is working. Let, and I want to hear from you. That's another thing. It wasn't like, I'm the greatest of all time. I've seen everything. Let's do it this way. You tell me. You tell me what you're feeling, How you? what you think. And when they started doing that, the running game started to get better. It was incredible. So I wish him all the best. He had a blast at that Super Bowl, uh, the the boat party. And yeah, he got buzzed. Yeah, he got drunk. Yeah, he had a good time. Good for him. Because he certainly doesn't get a package on or get gets wasted during the week in all the years that he's played. I'll never forget a friend of mine is close to Derek Jeter. And this friend of mine told me that when Derek Jeter was debating, you know, really thinking about retirement, you know, his last year, and he said, you know what I want to do? I want to go to a cookout on 4th of July because I've never been to one. How about that? A little thing like that because he was always playing 
And the reason why these greats are so good, they give it 120%. That's all you can ask, right? If you give and whatever job you're doing, if you give it your best, you give it all you got, man, you're going to feel good about yourself. And so is everybody around you. So there you go. That's, it was just, it was an incredible, it was incredible to see. He really is something else. Uh, and now good luck, Bucks. <laughs> Are they going back to irrelevance? Oh, God, 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 God. One other thing that I want to mention. Last week, I got invited uh, by an acquaintance of mine, Chris Ingram. He had done some uh, news talk. He had news talk. He's a politi- heavy political. Uh, very good. A very good talk show host. And he hit me up. And I hadn't talked to him in a while. I wasn't like a really close, but I respect him. He respects me. And he's teaching at the University of Tampa, downtown Tampa, UT. And he's teaching a class called Writing for Broadcast Journalism. Would I be able to speak to the class? Now, I haven't spoken to a college class. It's got to be, God, 20 years. I've done a lot of the great American teachings at my daughter's classes in grade school. I haven't done middle school yet. I did uh, my son's great American teaching one or a couple times, one or two times. And I've done some other great American teaching, somebody I might know and you help out. And that's at the high school level or that's at the middle school level or that's at the grade school level. So I really hadn't done a college class in a while. And I was getting to the point, it was even like, 50, maybe it was 18 years ago, 17. And I would be flat out like, look, if you're going to go to broadcast, if you want to get on TV, you better look good. Sorry, that's the way it is. That's what it comes down to. You know, the hot girls, and I wouldn't be that graphic, but I would be like, you know, the good looking girls are the ones that are going to get, you know, the, the chance. And so, you know, and I and I was like, that this isn't right. These kids are going to school to learn something and their parents or them have taken out a loan and here I am just, ah, oh, you better look good, you know, and I was like, all right, so I'm not going to, I, I, and I was in the business and stuff like that and I saw what was happening. So I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, speak in front of college students anymore. So it had been a long time and I've been humbled. I've been out of the business and doing these smaller little gigs and trying to stay in the game. I've been humbled. So uh, I said, sure, why not? Let's do it next Monday. All right, let's do it. Six o'clock. You got it. So I got there and I'm driving on campus. It's in downtown Tampa and it is a beautiful, historic, little, small, compact, lot of students walking the time I got there around 530 it was teeming with kids. And the thing that I noticed when I'm driving in my car and looking out, they look so young to me. They look like kids. And they probably were. If they're a freshman or sophomore, they're 18, 19, 20 years old. And I was just like, wow, they're just kids. And they're carefree. And they're, that is, it's just, it was, it was neat to see. So he said I could pull into the faculty parking lot. The gate will come up at six. I was there at 545 
Ooh, the gate's already up. I get out. I ask a college girl. She goes, oh, anybody after five o'clock, really anybody can park in this, in this lot. You're good. I said, thank you very much. She's very polite. So I go in and it's in this historic building. It's called Plant Hall. There's Plant Museum and it's an old, old building, but they've kept it up and it was so neat. And I said, where's 208? I'm assuming it's on the second floor. And uh, a co-ed said, yeah, it is on the second floor. I said, I figured. Thank you. So you walk up these big old carpeted stairs. And I went in and I'm like, oh, look at this. Right at six o'clock. Every kid, like everybody's in class. There was one kid he went into. And I'm like, okay, 208. You know what? I better go to the bathroom. I'm older. I'm going to talk an hour. And I've been driving 35 minutes. I'm maybe 40 and uh, I better, I better go to the bathroom before I get in there. So uh, I want to be comfortable. So I find a bathroom, ask a cleaning lady. I come back out. Boom, boom, boom. There it is. Door open. There's Chris. Gives me a handshake. How you doing guys? What's happening? Boom. And I went into some stories and I went around the room and I said, tell me what you want to do, what you want to be. And if you're undecided, that's okay. Cause I want to kind of judge how I'm going to, give this talk. You know what I mean? I don't want to do it straight sports. If there's not many sports, uh, people here and blah, blah, blah in lot want to write, which is wonderful. I not just new, not being a news writer writing. Okay. There's marketing, there's advertising agencies. If you can write. And I told him the story that the one grace Remington, who's absolutely gorgeous it's great delivery, hard worker. I had her on the podcast and she said, if you can write, you'll have a gig. And she even was a writer writing news for a network before she uh, got on air. And I thought that was interesting. And so we were going around the room. One kid goes, I just want to be a fireman. I'm like, okay, all right. Most important job probably in here. But I'm like, wow, you're spending fireman. Okay. But he was honest. One girl, social media. I said, bam, do you know that the NFL all NFL teams have a social media team. Four, five employees, they're all women. They're all girls. I don't know why that is. They just do a good job. I said, you're in a perfect, good. So boom, 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 we go around. So I told stories, this and that, blah, blah, blah. We did question and answer. And their questions were great. What do you do about being burned out? Wow, that's a good one. Now, recently, I had a boss that was brutal to work for. And I thought that was what caused my gallbladder operation, which they, they just, the doctors laughed at me. So I got a pain right here in my chest. And this boss is like, no, nah, your numbers, that ain't, that ain't causing your gallbladder. Just, <laughs> your liver's not working. No. Nah. But anyway, uh, so I gave him that and da da da. We went all the way around, boom. And I'll tell you what, I walked out of there. They gave me a big ovation. It was a nice small little group and I walked out of that classroom and walking down the hallway and looking in the windows of all of these classrooms where professors were talking with these students and I was, I was renewed with energy and enthusiasm about this next generation it was, I'm telling you what, I got more out of that than they did. And I was like, wow, it's so different than when you're talking to fourth graders, you know, or there's kids in the back that aren't paying attention and it's a great American teaching that it was fantastic. 
And these kids were so polite and asked great questions and really wanted to know. And three or four are undecided. You know, they're 19 years old. It's understandable. But it was great. It was awesome. And so I was like, wow, what a day. And then going into that, I had a great call about something that I might be doing, but we'll see how these things go until they're finalized and materialized. And I, should I pick up now? Yeah, you know what? I'm going into this class. He knows Chris Ingram too. And it was this gentleman and he wanted to know about boom, boom, and I might be doing boom. We'll see. I don't know. And it was, so it was a great, great day. And you're going to have one too, man. If you just keep on doing what you're doing to the best of your ability and you're living right, things are going to happen. Trust me. Trust me. And who knows? Now, this thing may not materialize (laughs) and I'll be down in the dumps for a little bit. And as long as we got the health of the family and me, we're all good. We're all, we're all good. All good. All is good. All right. Thank you to Chris O'Connell, my first newsman who's made it to the top and is still bringing those stories every day in a tough business. Tough business. Is local TV news going to go the way of the newspaper? What do you think? Mm, It's hard. It's hard to capture the attention when we have everything on our phones at when we want it. Right? Right, 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 right. All right. Listen, I'm thinking about doing IndyCar drivers that have an interesting story. These interviews are not long. Nine minutes, eight minutes, four minutes. I was planning on doing it this podcast. I may do that next week because uh, we've got the IndyCar season starting in beautiful downtown St. Pete on a street course. It's gorgeous. And these guys are a little bit different. They're very, 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 very interesting. So that's kind of my plan. Uh, I got another one in the can. And I'm always looking for the big one. You never know. You never know, right? You got to try and stay positive. All right, listen, hang in there. We're plodding along. Life's going to turn out okay. I'm telling you, right? All right, there you go. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Rock Stops Here. On this week's episode of Crush Performance, I'm back, baby. Just returned home from a major back surgery, and I want to tell you all about it. We're also going to look at our 2022 theme of organizational and team performance and do a deep dive into what really motivates us to achieve. And we're going to dip into the Crush Mailbag, some incredible questions on supplements. We're going to tell you how we worked them into our programs. We're going to talk about the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony. And we've got some fun facts to share as the 2022 Winter Games in Beijing get underway. And we've got a great deal for from our friends at Inside Tracker on this week's episode of Crush Performance. Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.